the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner from Professional Presentation Services, and with me today is Oakland McCulloch. He's a retired lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army, and he's recently been doing a lot of speaking work and sharing an important message around the U.S. and hopefully soon around the globe. Oak, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, well, thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, it's our, it's our pleasure. My, I speak for my listeners as well. And and w- without going too far ahead, I want to give you the floor. Tell us right away, what is the, the message? What have you been speaking about and, and how has that been going for you? Yeah, well, thanks. So um, I really talk about two different things. I talk about leadership and my my philosophy on leadership is servant leadership, that uh, it's not about you, it's about your organization and how you treat the people in your organization. And we talk about a bunch of different things. We talk about trust, communication, building culture, building teams, professional development, those kinds of things. And then I have another one that I give, which is called Secrets to Success, where I talk about goals and how to set goals and accomplish goals and how to establish some self-discipline and some good habits and getting results and all those kinds of things. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it's something that I I relate to as well. It it strikes a chord with me. But I've seen some of your your videos that are available online on YouTube. And and again, for all our listeners out there, you should definitely check them out. And seems like you've been speaking to a lot of different audiences in a lot of different industries. How's that been going? Yeah, that that's kind of interesting because when I first wrote the book and I thought I would get out on the speaking circuit, I thought that my main audience would be universities. And I've and I've been to a three or four universities and, and spoken. And I love that audience. And I think that's important to talk to those aspiring leaders who are going to take over as junior leaders in these Fortune 500 companies and whatever, wherever else they're going to go to, whether it's the military or the civilian world or wherever. And so I've had those. But surprisingly to me, I've also had lots of other things. I've had everything from an HR conference you know, I was at in Vermont and I talked to the state HR conference there. And then I've also done uh, been asked to speak to like in, in next month, I'm going to go speak to a thousand first responders in Texas. And I've also had multi-million dollar companies who have had me come talk to everything from their CEOs and presidents down to their uh, one company had me come talk to 50 of their junior leaders. So it's kind of branched out. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk to uh, all the fire chiefs in Washington state. So uh, it's kind of branched out and I'm talking to a bunch of different people. And I think here's the reason. Leadership is so important for every organization. I don't care what profession it is and I don't care what level we're talking about. Every one of those levels and every one of those organizations need to have good leadership. And if you don't, then your, your organization is going to struggle or fail because it is so important at all those levels. I, I love that. I love that. And, and Oak, on, on the heels of that, I'm going to throw you a softball. Would you, would you say that leadership skills may be taken for granted by some in some areas? Oh, I absolutely think that it is in today's world, mainly because people think they have the wrong idea what leadership is. And I'll give you an example. I, the whole reason I started all this was because I was going around when I was a professor of military science, I was running an ROTC program at the University of South Alabama in Mobile. I was going around talking to high school students and college students about leadership. And I'd always 
you know, I'd always ask, the first thing I do is always ask them what profession they want to do and what do they want to be. And they'd tell me the profession and that inevitably I'd get somebody who'd say, and I want to be a leader. And I'd say, great. What does that mean? And you get that deer in the headlights look. They had no idea what it took to be a leader. They just knew they wanted to be one and probably for the wrong reasons. Probably they wanted to be the leader for the title or the better pay or um, the more more privileges. And let's get it. Leaders, leaders get some of those things usually, and that's okay. But if that's the reason you want to be a leader, then go do something else because you're never going to be a good one. And so I went around and I was talking to people and I realized that people just don't have an idea of what it takes to be a good leader, and especially a servant leader, where you put the people in your organization and the organization ahead of yourself. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it, it absolutely makes sense. And something that I've kind of, it's reared its head again and again in my coaching and my training and my helping in professionals is oftentimes people will say they'll be able to pick out, oh, that person's a good leader, or I had this leader and they were horrible. I didn't like working for them or et cetera. But they have a tough time developing their own leadership skills. They don't know the path to become right. a good leader. Oh, absolutely. I agree. You know, when I was a, a captain in the United States Army, I had a boss, a colonel, who, who eventually retired, a four-star general. And he, and he told me one day, he said, Oak, leadership is on a scale. He said, on this end, you've got the authoritarian micromanaging, do as I tell you to do leader, which, by the way, nobody ever wants to work for. And I have worked <laughs> for those guys. Horrible. He said, and on this scale, you've got Attila the Hun and chaos. And he said, and you want to be as close to chaos as you can get. He says, as close as you can get and be comfortable, you want to be there. And he said, and this is why, because once you do that, then you start tapping into their abilities. That's where creativity happens. You're using their abilities, their skills, their knowledge. And now you got to got to train them so that you trust them. You got to give them the resources and then you give them the authority to make it happen. And if you do that and get out of the way, then you'll be amazed. Those are the type of leaders that people look at and say, that's the guy or gal that I want to be like. Mm -hmm. And, and it's up to that leader, those type of leaders. It's your responsibility to train that next generation of leaders. And, and if we don't, then it's our fault that what we get but we have to do that. And in my book and in my presentation, I talk about a, a great quote that a guy who used to work for me, and I said he worked for me, he was a better leader than I was probably. Master Sergeant David Powell one day when I was running that ROTC program, we were talking about the importance of what we were doing, producing the next generation of leaders, not just for the army, but for the nation. And he said to me, he said, you know, Great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. And I thought, wow, what a powerful quote. I wish I could take credit for that quote, but I can't. Master mm -hmm. David Powell said that. And the important part of that is you can take that word nations and you can substitute anything you want in there. Organization, company, hospital, food bank, military, whatever. And it still holds that same power. The way you pass that down is be a mentor. And if I always tell people, if you, you tell me you're a leader and I ask you who you're mentoring and you tell me nobody, then you're not a leader. You're a boss because leaders produce more leaders. And that's how we got to get to that point where they know what it is that require they're required to do and be to be a leader is by being a mentor. 
It's funny you mentioned that. I just had a, a, a post on, on social media today mentioning the value of mentorship. And I feel like, and look, tell me if you agree, but it, it's one of the essential components to not only being fulfilled as a person, if you're mentoring them, but to accelerate that learning curve and to, like you said, produce the next generation of leaders. Absolutely. It is essential to, to be that we have mentors. And, and this is what I tell every young man and woman. And, you know, I, I recruit and help produce our uh, lieutenants in the army now through an ROTC program that I, I recruit for here. And I tell every one of those young leaders, I said, look, you have to have a mentor. And if nobody is stepping up and, and saying, I want to be your mentor, shame on them, first of all. But if they're not doing that, then you need to go find somebody to be your mentor. And I promise you, if you find somebody that you respect and you go up and ask them, hey, I don't have a mentor and I'd really like for you to be my mentor, 99.9% .9 of them would say absolutely. Um, because if if you respected them enough to go ask that, they're probably a pretty good leader and they understand what their role is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you mentioned something a moment ago. I was thinking it through while you were speaking. You talked about kind of like the ingredients for a leader to develop a good culture and, and to develop other leaders. And one of the ingredients you mentioned was trust. How have you found is the most effective way to garner and, and foster that trust? Oh, that, that's absolutely. Trust is one of them is the most important thing. Look, people will not follow somebody that they don't trust. Now, they may still do their job because you're the boss and they have to do what you tell them to do. But to really lead people where people want to do what you're asking them to do, it takes trust. And there's a couple of simple ways that I always tell people the ways to build trust. Number one, you can't lead from behind your desk. You got to lead out there where your people are. And, and that's vital. It really is. Because then you're out there where they are in their workspace, not yours. You don't call them into your office and talk to them about something. Go where they are and talk to them about it. Um, so that's number one. I, I always say my leadership style was from walking around. I just walk around and talk to people and, and get to know the feel of what's going on. Number two uh, that I always tell people is never, ever, ever turn down a chance to get your own cup of coffee. Because when you do that, now two things happen. Number one, you get a chance to show people that you're human and that you know better than they are. You got to go get your own cup of coffee. Somebody doesn't bring it to you. And number two, if you're lucky, then you get a chance on your way to the coffee pot to stop and talk to all the people along the way. And if you're luck, really lucky, you got two or three different ways to get there and get back. And so each time you go, you go a different way and you talk to other people. Though that is just that's huge. And the last piece of the, of it is, I tell every leader that if you really want to start building trust, go out and find one person in your organization every day and find out something new about them. Not about work, about their personal life, about their goals. Their, their spouse's name, their kid's name, what sports do their kids play? What hobbies do they have? Mm -hmm. You will see trust start to go like this because now you're showing that you care about them, that they're just not there to produce something for you. You actually care about them. And if you, if you can show people that you really care, not that they think you care, mm -hmm. you can't fake that one. Mm -hmm. They'll know whether or not you care or not. You can play the game all you want, but they'll mm -hmm. know if they really know that you care about them, then trust just goes through the roof. Yeah, that's fantastic. 
So we have trust being a cornerstone to developing a good leader. And how does communication factor into trust and leadership in, in your experience? And I can't wait to hear what you have to say for this one. Yeah, communication is huge. I don't care if you're a leader or just somebody who wants to be successful in life. If you can't communicate, you're not going to be successful. I mean, it is just that simple. And I think that we, we sometimes forget that here in America and and certainly in America and in the business world and in the military world. I think it's it's so huge. And the, and I tell people it's about all of your communication. It's about your verbal and nonverbal communication. It's about your written communication, whether that's in a text, an email or a handwritten note. And by the way, never, ever under, underestimate the power of a handwritten note. It's huge. It really is. And we can talk about examples of that later if you want. And then and then I think you also have to take into account, which most of us forget about, is listening. Listening is part of communication and it's probably the most important part of, of communication. Most of us do not listen to learn. We listen just enough to figure out what it is we want to say next. And we got to get better at that. We got to get better at listening because that is another thing that helps build trust. Um, and, and I give you an example. I had a boss that I worked for um, that he was a very busy man and I passed him in the hall. And I remember one of the first times I passed him, he stopped me and said, how you doing? Oak? And I said, I'm, I'm doing well. And I started to walk away. And he said, no, 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 I'm here. How are you doing? And he started asking questions and wanted to really know how I was doing and how my wife was doing. And she, he said, and your son and daughter, they play soccer, don't they? How'd they do in the game last weekend? Never once, busy man, never once did I see him look down at his watch like he had somewhere better to be. I started figuring out he really cared. He really wanted to know. And that really brought home to me how important listening is to, uh, to, to the communication piece and building that trust based on like the impact, the effect you saw firsthand it had on you that he was willing yes. to. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. And that, not just me. I, I thought I was special. And <laughs> until one day I stuck my head out the office and guess what? He was doing the same thing to another captain down the hall. Well, I mean, it was clearly effective, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it probably, again, it goes overlooked. A lot of the, a lot of these skills we're talking about today, people, if you ask them, are they important? They'll be like, Oh, they're so important. And then you say, do you work on them? Do you do it? They say, um, yeah, sometimes, you know, we might bring someone in once a year to do it. You know, it's like, like brushing your teeth once a year instead of yeah. doing it every day. Right. But Absolutely. some, some of these things, they, they have the, the return on investment for, in your experience there, that boss who stopped and talked to you and stopped and talked to the other captains, they probably got it back tenfold when it came time to production and performance and, and trust, making sure that things are going to get done the way they want and, and all those factors. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, again, that's part of the mentorship. You know, he, he would always take time to make sure that that we knew what was happening and why it was happening and why he made certain decisions. Um, not just that I'm the boss and that's the law and you got to do what I tell you to do. Um, now, there's times I got it when you got to do that, when there's, you know, time constraint and, you know, in, in the military, when people are shooting at you, you don't have time to explain all that. <laughs> but in in most of the time in your life, you have the time to explain those things. And again, it, it, leadership is about people. Plain, simple, no, nothing else. It's not about flow charts or organizational charts. It is about people. And if you can take care of your people and lead your people, you can lead any organization.
Yeah, I, I agree. I think you and I are in alignment on that. Oh, in one of your videos, I, I saw you speaking and you were talking about a, a story. I don't know if it was, if it was an ex firsthand experience, but you had, uh, you had mentioned there was a, a person who gave an order and the response that they, re that they received was not what they had expected. And you mentioned that that might not have been what they wanted, but it was what they asked for. Absolutely. And yeah. What I drew, we, from we've that, all done that. <laughs> me included. Yeah. We have. And what I drew from that was, it was quite, for me, it was very clear. It's like, yeah, people, they, they haven't, some people don't use the, the optimal language to reflect what they actually want. Is that what, yeah. you, what you meant there? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I always tell people, look, when you're communicating, you, you got to be succinct, succise, succinct and easily understood, concise and easily understood. Because if you're not, that old adage that it can be misunderstood, mm -hmm. it will be misunderstood is absolutely true. And that's what happens when those, you'll tell somebody to do something and give them the resources, whatever, and they'll bring it back to you. You're like, yeah, that's not what I asked for. And when you think back on it, guess what? That's exactly what you asked for. It's not what you wanted, but it's exactly what you asked for. And I always tell people one of the ways to help prevent that from happening. And, and I didn't invent this. The, the, the story is Napoleon. And I think everybody who's listening probably knows who Napoleon is, the greatest general that probably ever lived. He always, when he was directing his battle, the wars on it, he would always be on his big white stallion on the battlefield directing things. But he always had a low ranking corporal, a low ranking enlisted soldier standing right next to him. And when he was going to give an order out to his generals, he would read it out to the to the corporal and he'd say, OK, young man, tell me what I just told you to do in your own words. If the corporal could do that, then it's a great order. Send it out. If he couldn't, then it could be misunderstood and he'd have to start over again. And all of us as leaders need that Napoleon, Napoleon's corporal. You need that person who's willing and it can't be somebody who's going to tell you what you want to hear. It's got to be somebody who's not afraid to tell you that tell you the truth and you know the kind of the, the emperor's new clothes type of thing they got to tell you what what they, what really is the situation not what you want to hear and if you don't have that person then you're going to make some dumb decisions I, I promise you and it also in my opinion it also tells you something about yourself if you can't find someone who will be honest with you it might be an indication that uh you have some I don't know, inclinations, or you have some, some styles, some techniques that maybe could be refined and have people be a little bit more open and honest with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. One of the things that causes people not to be honest with their boss is fear. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of what you're going to do to them. And if that's the case, you have failed. I can just tell you right now, if the people that work for you are that afraid of you, that they can't tell you the truth, then you failed and, and your organization is probably going to fail. They got to be got to be able, willing, and feel like they can come and tell you the truth because it's so important that you know what really is going on, not what's what you want to know. Because we all, like you were saying before we got on the show, we all have blind spots. We all have those spots that we don't understand. Our weaknesses are maybe a little more in one area than we really, than we're willing to admit because of our ego. Mm -hmm. um, but somebody else can see those. And if, if you put it out there and let people actually give you some honest advice, then, uh, then, then you're going to do a much, do much better. And it has to really be somebody you trust. It really does. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. You don't want to just put someone's their first day, you know, beside you, you don't know what you're going to get, but 
Oh, how, how many years were you in the, the military in the U.S. Army? Yeah, so I did 23 years in the Army, but if you count all my time serving in some capacity in the Army, either as a cadet or now as a DA civilian, Department of the Army civilian, I've, I've got about almost 40 years uh, serving the Army. Wow, that's impressive. Almost. All right, so in those, in those, we'll say 40 years, we'll keep it round numbers, can you think of an experience where either, like a good example where communication went really, really well, or perhaps the opposite, where communication failed and there was a really poor outcome? Yeah, I, absolutely I can. So I, I, one of my jobs in the Army, and I'll both, I can use both of those from this same job. One of my jobs in the Army was an observer controller out at the National Training Center, where units would come through and they would train in as close to real life combat as we can simulate. And so my job, I had two jobs out there. My first job was I was doing the after action reviews for the for my boss, who, which means he after the battle, he would bring all the leaders in from that unit and he'd say, okay, here's the things that went well. Here's the things that didn't go well. Here's how we fix those things. Here's how we sustain what we were doing. And and I can remember one one battle. It was th they just made some really bad decisions and and didn't communicate well what they were expecting. And one of their subordinate units did something that threw the whole battle off, and and they kind of got they got slaughtered basically. Um, flip over. I was one of those guys who was evaluating one of the companies, the one of the subordinate units, and this. This young man, this captain, was giving out some unbelievable orders um, and direction. And I remember one time he was, it was when they were bringing out all the new technology for the tanks and, and uh, all the electronics and everything that, that we now use that allows people to track other vehicles in their company. And so he had 13 tanks in his company, his and 12 others. And they were going through this really difficult terrain. They were going to attack through this difficult terrain. And I thought, yeah, that's not going to happen. No way. I've, I've never seen anybody be successful. And he called his junior leaders together and he pulled out a pad and he drew up his, his uh, plan. And every one of them, I mean, you could tell they understood what he was asking for and the, the time hacks that he needed. And sure enough, they're going through all this difficult terrain and they couldn't, the platoons couldn't even see each other. And they came up over the hill at the same time, same thing, and did a fantastic job. So communication is just, it. you can't even um, underestimate the importance of good communication and making sure that people understand what you're saying. One of the problems we have in today's society is we think we send an email and that's communication. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's horrible. I, I, now, there's times when you have to use email. I got it. But you got to make sure you got to have some way that you make sure that they understand what you're really asking for a brief back. Mm -hmm. uh, they send you an email back saying, OK, this is what I understand is my duty, my job, what you're asking me to do. If you don't get that, you're going to get what you thought you asked for, but you're going to get something different. And I always prefer, if at all possible, to give communications when I'm asking somebody to do something face to face, because then I can look right in your eyes and I can tell whether or not you understand what I'm asking you to do. Mm -hmm. I, it, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, you know, you get that glazed over eyes like, yeah, 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 but they don't have any clue of what you're asking them to do. So I prefer, if at all possible, to do my communication in person. And even today, 
with the technology we're on today, you can get that face-to-face asking rather than send an email for something that certainly is maybe more important than just your average everyday things you're asking people to do. Get them on a Zoom or a Teams meeting or something like that, Facebook or FaceTime, whatever it is, and get that face-to-face so you can really look at them and understand whether or not they're, they understand what you're asking them to do. Yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. And and on the professionally speaking podcast, I'm sure all my listeners uh, are wholeheartedly behind you in that. Um, yet it's it's amazing. I mean, myself, I, I work with a lot of tech companies, and they would install and integrate the latest communication platform if it were you know Microsoft Teams or Slack or something innovative in house they created where everyone can communicate with each other. And it's the, it's the same problem is there. Like you said, if if you can't there's no there's no check if there's no like confirm that the message has been received and it's ensured that it's clear that what you want to be done is going to be carried out then you're left with the same problem you're just sending messages and not really sure whether or not they they're going to be followed out to your expectations absolutely i i had had somebody one day tell me that was working for me so i something didn't didn't get done and i said so why didn't it get done I said, you, you know, you're the person who was responsible for this project. He said, well, I sent an email. <laughs> I said, really? So you just assume that, that the person understood or even opened it? I said, sending an email is not communication. Yeah, I, I, I know, like you said, it, you know, sometimes it has to be done, but it can't be solely relied on as, as a means of effective communication. That's so right. I said, you know, because that's what people think, though. Unfortunately, it's, it's again, it's taken for granted a little bit. It's just, yeah, I click send, so my job's done. You know, it's, <laughs> now it's on them to interpret what I mean correctly and, and then to execute without asking. If they don't get any questions, then we're good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and part, part of that also to get what you want is – you got to have some brief backs. I, I, I am not a micromanager. I refuse to micromanage anybody. And, you know, it's tough sometimes. It's, it is tough because sometimes you'll give somebody a task and, and they're struggling. And you know you could do that task in about 30 minutes. And it's tough not just to walk over and say, get out of my way. I'll do that. But you're not doing anybody any favors when you do that. You're not doing that person any favors, your organization any favors, or yourself any favors. So you got to be willing to let them do things the way they want to do it, use their talents, their skills, their abilities. But as the leader, it is your responsibility. You can never delegate responsibility. You can delegate all the authority you want, but your name is always the name on the blame line. So one of the ways to make sure that they understand what you asked for and you're going to get what you asked for is to have what we call brief backs. So once a week, once every couple of weeks, whatever time makes sense. Just how's that going, Ryan? Where are you in this process? And and then you can get a, a gauge on whether or not they're headed down the right road. And again, don't do it for them. But if they're headed down the wrong road, say, okay, Ryan, maybe we need to adjust that. And this is a, a direction we need to go. You figure out how you want to get there. Mm-hmm. But let's stay on the path that that I'm asking you to stay on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, in my line of work, I call that uh, course correcting, but yeah, ex- same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Oak, we're, uh, we're coming to the end here and I, I ask all my guests this, this question, save it for last. So I'm going to throw it to you. If you had a, a time machine to go back to uh, an 18 year old Oak and you could give him some advice, uh, what would be most valuable? Yeah, that, that's a, that's an inter- interesting question. Um, and I, 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 
I do tell, um, I tell young leaders that the most important thing is to build the trust. And because without that, you can't get anything done. And so again, I think if you're going to be a leader, you got to develop that trust in your organization. And not only between you and the people who you're leading, but also within the people of your organization. And Vince Lombardi, you know, I'm sure everybody knows who Vince Lombardi is, one of the probably the greatest football coach that ever coached in American football. He used to say that a team isn't a group of people who play together. A team is a group of people who trust each other. And that is so true. I mean, you can be the best leader in the world and give out all the best instructions. But if the people who are going to carry that out, if they don't trust each other, that they're each one of them is going to do their part, then they don't have faith in what's going to happen. And you're generally not going to get what you what you have. You're certainly not going to be as efficient and effective as you could be. That's very valuable. Some pearls of wisdom here. Oak is uh, is dropping on us. Thank you so much, Oak. We really appreciate it. We're coming to the end here. If some of the listeners want to get in touch with you or they want to pick up your book or they're interested in having you speak at one of their events, where how can they go about doing that? Yeah, so uh, my book is on Amazon and it's available in hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audible, which I read the book. The only other voice on there is my wife. She wrote the forward and I had her read the forward and about the author. So she's on the book, Audible book as well. So you can go to Amazon and get that. If you want a signed copy, a lot of people do. And and if you do, then just go to my website. If you want a signed copy of the book, or if you want to contact me about it, being a speaker at one of your organization's conferences or training uh, events, then just go to my website and all my information, my phone number, my email, all that is on there. And it has some of the podcasts I've been on. So you get a, a sense of what you're going to get if uh, you hire me. Got a couple of video clips from uh, from presentations and speeches that I've given. Um, so uh, just go to my website. That's the, probably the easiest way. I'm also on all the social media. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and all those as well. And those links are on my website as well. That's fantastic. And uh, just for our listeners out there, uh, McCulloch is M-C-C-U-L-L-O-C-H. That is right. Yep. All right, Oak. Well, once again, thanks so much for, for coming on. I love the, the value that you shared with our listeners. We're really appreciative. And for all you listeners out there, we wish you success in your future speaking endeavors. 